I hear mariachi static on my radio And the coons they glow in the dark But I'm here with her in Ensenada And here in Echo Park Carmelita, hold me tighter I think I'm sinking down and I'm all slung out on heroin in the outskirts of town. I'm sitting here playing solitaire with my pearl-handled deck. Connie won't give me no more methadone and cut off the welfare check. Uh, hi folks. How's it going? Is everyone okay? Is everybody still practicing self-care during uh, this whole coup situation where the government is being overthrown by the United uh, by uh it's fascist base, if you want to believe that. Uh, and I hope with a couple of days and a little bit of uh, thought, people have calmed down a little bit, reflected. They've seen Trump go on TV and say, I didn't mean it. I was kidding. I was kidding. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that political violence is over. It doesn't mean that Q or the Trump base or anything like that are going to be mollified. I would say that stochastic political violence is going to be a pretty much permanent feature of, uh, at the very least, the Biden presidency, and maybe just a new feature of American political life, uh, like endemic diseases are now. And of course, some of that will be just the native energies of these people who still feel, cannot reconcile themselves to political uh, uh, adulthood, I guess you'd say. And the ones that are going to be ginned up and supported and carried out on behalf of the government as part of their their sensuous little game of domestic gladio that they like to play. Their little dabble in, uh, in exacerbating threats in order to justify draconian crackdowns. But I will say that what we're seeing right now, the beginning of, like we're starting to see big time charges being filed on some of these guys who they found uh, and uh, they tracked down who went, were in the Capitol. Um, they're already talking about how there's going to be live ammo uh, in the guns of the National Guardsmen on Inauguration Day. Uh, the male fist of the state is coming out in order to assert authority. Now, that doesn't mean these people are going to listen. They have every reason to believe that this thing is going to work out for them because at the end of it, Fundamentally, they believe in America. They believe, to a religious extent, in the United States and its political project. That's why they believe, that's why they have to believe such a convoluted insanity and have to have such paranoid politics, because it's the only way to square the circle of living in this country, living in this country, experiencing it the way that we do, the, the nightmare of misery and immiseration and humiliation that it is, but that it is also everything that we are psychically supposed to believe it is. And these people are the people who believe that shit. Because they have never been, there's never been a reason for them not to. They have never 
been confronted with the state as such telling them no. In fact, the entirety of the political uh, reality of the last 40 years has been managing the ego, basically, of this segment of the population, by which I mean broadly the middle tier of white Americans, income-wise, uh, uh, and, and like in relationship to capitalism. Not just the small petty bourgeois, plenty of workers, like the whole fucking argument about, oh, everybody at the Capitol was a small business tyrant, and actually, no, they were sons of the soil. Obviously, it was both. Obviously. There's no way they were all boat ownership dealers. A good deal of them were. But there's also, there's no way they were all, like, horny-handed sons of fucking toil either. They were a mixture. Because that is the, we're talking about people who identify not by their fucking class. Because nobody does that in this fucking country. Of course, they're, they're not fucking self-consciously working class or fucking uh, little uh, petit bourgeois. The whole point of America is to make those categories not something that people live with. They live with other categories, racial, nationalist, uh, geographic. And that's what people carry with them. And in the 1970s, the United States was, we all got, one way or another, the Howard Beale speech. The one that, not the one he yells at everybody, but the one he gets from Ned Beatty. I've read it on the, on the stream before. You have meddled with the cosmic forces of nature, Mr. Beale. There are no nations. There is no West. There is only Union Carbide and at and and AT&T. That's, everybody got that message in the 70s, behind and in front of closed doors. Now, in the political realm, what that ended up meaning is, is you had the Democratic and the Republican parties both dealing with this new reality. Okay, the whole point of American politics, which had been since the New Deal about distributing the gains of America's industrial economy, will now be changed. The game done changed. There's going to be no more spoils to give out. Uh, if we're going to maintain profit, it's going to be at the expense of work. And at the expense, honestly, not just of workers, but of these small business people. Because, yes, a lot of these people in Washington are small business people. Does that mean that their small businesses are doing well? Do you think it's likely that they're incredibly successful? Some of them are. But I guarantee you a lot of them, including the, the pool uh, cleaning business, pool supply company lady who voted for Obama, by the way, who got murked by the Secret Service. She, yes, she had a pool, pool, owner, pool supply company. How much was she in debt, though? How much are everyone, how much is everybody who is not at the very commanding heights of capital or has some sort of culturally uh, um, attractive job that, that allows them to be independent from like the sheer exploitative machinery? Uh, how fucking comfortable are any of them? Even these small business tyrants who are precarious. And you can say that they don't deserve to feel that angry. They don't deserve to be that outraged because, hey, everybody else is doing worse. Nobody else, I'm not living anybody else's life. Nobody lives anybody's life but their own. And relative fucking, every belief, every feeling is relative. So the precarity that goes up and down through American society and has since the 70s, I'm sorry, even bad, naughty small business owners are going to feel it. Maybe they don't deserve to feel it. Maybe they shouldn't be so babyish about it. But that's not, that doesn't do anything to them. That doesn't convince them. They didn't go through the ideological car wash to, like, unpack their fucking knapsack of pr privilege and say, uh, you know, and, and say thanks for all the luck they have and then not try to make the world better. They believe in America because when we all got that message in the 70s, oh, yeah, no, this is over. America, as you thought of it, this land of opportunity, that's over with. It's going to be an ensurfening. Everyone is going to become uh, a thrall, and we have to, because, because your 
day having a say in this is over as working people, as non-capital holders. So what are we going to do about it? Well, the people who make up now almost the entirety of the Democrats, college-educated, uh, professional whites, uh, and, and uh, African-Americans, basically. You know, there's other groups in there, but those are the two big groups that make up the significant portion of the Democrats. And young people, of course, the younger generation, but largely uh, sorted by college, either the older, wealthier ones, the ones who made sure Biden was the nominee, uh, or the younger, poorer ones, they all went to college, and then you've got African Americans. And then you've got these racial groups that we treat like they're black, but aren't, because the experience of race in America is warped because we have black people in this country, and that relationship is different than the relationship between any other um, ethnic minority and the United States. It just is. And trying to tack them together, that's one of the reasons so many liberals are baffled by all these working-class uh, minorities voting for Trump. So those two groups of people, African-Americans and college-educated whites, they're the deal, that the, the reason that they have essentially uh, acceded to this condition of steady immiseration is twofold. Because it wasn't just telling people, yeah, no, that's over. Being able to just have a, a decent middle-class life uh, with, a, with a, any job you can find, no, that's over with. That's gone. That was okay for college-educated whites because the new world we were going to get was going to be a knowledge economy where the fact that you went to college and the fact that you learned all this stuff and the fact that you learned the vocabulary is going to give you a chance to survive and, in fact, thrive. You can still get a house. You, all those Atari Democrats who represented the 70s uh, suburban uh, explosion, the, uh, they represented people who could still realistically get the American dream because... They, had, they were part of the knowledge economy. And ever since then, those people, those Democrats, those people who line up with the Democrats, have done so on the assumption that, well, yeah, things are bad in this country, but honestly, more than anything, it's because of these backward-ass other white people, the ones who couldn't get with the program. Their racism and revanchism are why we can't have nice things, even though the reason is because the, the, the uh, drivetrain of like working-class pressure on the political um, economy was disengaged. And so now it's just an intercapital battle. There's no working people involved in any way. It's pure, uh, that seat at the table that existed and that set the table for post-war social democracy in the United States and to a greater degree in Europe, that's gone. So now we just have this culture, culture battle. But that's okay if you're college educated because you could still get a job. Now, the younger ones of that, they're, they're moving into a world disabused of that notion. That's why a lot of them are Bernie supporters. That's why a lot of them call themselves socialists, because they have a more sophisticated critique of why things are the way they are than the lumpen reactionary. Uh, but when it comes to shove, they're going to pick the Democrats because that's the only game in town. Uh, so whether they are coerced by a belief that Adhering to these rules and adhering to democratic norms and the Democratic Party's social agenda, social gospel, will be good for them materially, or that it's just good on its own, like they've been convinced they have been ideologically car-washed even beyond uh, the point of uh, personal uh, self-interest. Either way, they have accommodated themselves to this order. Uh, African-Americans, they were... The, 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 the leadership and political strata were just bought into the Democratic Party mechanisms, and then everybody else had the unfucking gloved fist of the state smash onto them. 
That's where you get the drug war. That's where you get a, 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 a zero tolerance policy to get to say, hey, no fucking. Uh, yeah, yeah. No. You know how there was that brief period where it looked like we might open the doors to post-war prosperity to you? Yeah, no, that's over. But don't you fucking get any ideas about it. We killed all the fucking Panthers. We killed Martin Luther King. We will kill you. And if you try to fucking make a dollar outside of uh, this new order, like drugs or something, it's going to be an excuse for us to throw all of you in prison and then put our fucking dumbass uh, grad student kids into your fucking houses. And that left the broad swath of white Americans who did not go to college. Either because, or went to college and explicitly rejected the whole uh, deal for idiosyncratic ideological reasons or whatever. Those people, the, the, the successful ones, were the ones who created the post-war conservatism. Like, they saw the deal and they spit the bit. They said, no, we're too psychotically devoted to these, uh, these Jacksonian notions of freedom uh, because we're programmed that way. Uh, and now, though, like, it's increasing. It's more and more people who aren't successful, even though the Republican Party has only benefited the wealthy, because the, the, the Republican Party is the only counter-articulation to the neoliberal status quo. And the actual point of conflict is the one that's been the same since the dawn of the Republic, which is the conflict between finance capital, which is the overawing and, 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 and at the end of the day, governing form of capital in this country and in the world, and, uh, and um, locally, regionally bound resource capital, uh, extraction industries, and then all accompanying like local uh, economic activity where you have local stakeholders who emerge. And that's been the war since, since the fucking dawn of the, of the, of the Federalists and the, uh, the Democratic Republican. And at every point, that, that power source, the American local baronry basically, has been bought off. And that a local uh, and and one way that the working class in general has been bought off is that they essentially for the white ones after World War II gave an entrepot to that broad barony that broad American like regional capital barony. Uh, the you could get even if you worked in a factory you could get a little lot with a fucking yard you could be a little lord you could be a lord of your own land even if you weren't uh, the a landlord of any other kind and even if you worked for a living. And so when that 70s uh, reality check hit, Carter shows up and says, I'm going to explain to all these people in a nice, quiet voice why we can't have nice things anymore. And they're going to understand, yes, it's good for us to want the soul of America to be nourished and not our bodies and that we need to be, uh, you know, uh, virtuous and blah, blah, blah. Reagan was there to say, hey, morons, idiots, you just tell them that everything's going to be fine because you're going to cut taxes. You say, yes, things are going to get worse, but it's because the government is standing in the way of you and total economic self-actualization. Uh, and that's what they've been t selling that story for 40 years, and it has bought them a fucking treasure trove of, of neoliberal reforms, all of them on their terms. Now, it's not like the Democrats are really trying to stop any of that, but the drivetrain of politics is this activated, like, small-holding white... Uh, petty bourgeois that is being uh, cosseted, that is not getting the reality check, that isn't 
he isn't getting the Beal speech. Is just getting a pat on the back and said, "No, no, it's just those. It's just the nasty tax man that's the reason that you're not more successful." How about oh, how about here's some more more mortgage uh, 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 deductions. Here's some more pro, like uh, the degree to which we do uh, safety net shit anymore. You're going to be the beneficiary of all of it because we're going to subsidize home ownership and give you your little fiefdoms and give you free cre- cheap credit that you can borrow against so you can open five hundred different fucking like. Uh, uh, nightclub themed vape shops and uh, and uh, rock and roll uh, uh, rock and roll karaoke bars with uh, li- uh, shooting ranges and fucking skidoo dealerships. And what we're seeing since the collapse, two thousand eight collapse, is is that we can't buy them off anymore. They can't be bought off anymore. the sh- The shit is coming to them. The poorer whites, the poorer whites, the ones who didn't have access to the barony. They've been killing themselves, literally. They have been literally killing themselves with fentanyl, uh, trying to get disability checks and, 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 and living the lives of despair that are the usual outcome of being totally unconnected from any ability to assert political control over your life and any control over your economic condition. The ones who are in the middle, those middle ones, those are the ones who are most agitated, most anxious. The most, most afraid of falling. And those are the ones who make up the Republican base now. And because they believe in America, they, even though their uh, politics are totally incohate and they have no actual formal meaning and they don't have any... It's, it's, it's an articulation of resistance to neoliberalism, but it's baffled by the fact that everybody's just watched TV for the last 60 fucking years and nobody actually has a lived experience to compare with anybody else's. We only share fantasies. We only swap and share, swap and share fantasies with one another. And so all of this alienation, whether it's from uh, precarious uh, petit bourgeois or precarious uh, non-college educated uh, labor workers, no matter what their income is, uh, it's expressed by this spectacular fixation, this emotional connection to Trump as a delivery figure. Because what he delivers them from is this political stalemate that they are realizing will doom them. But because they believe in America, they have to find an answer within its structures, within the Democratic Party, within the Republican Party, and within within the Republican Party, the figure of Trump, who mirrors them in their selfishness and short-sightedness, and as such, is acting... Not for any concern about institutions, which is demystifying the institutions and teaching these people that the institutions aren't real and they can just open the door and that that fucking like, oh, that velvet rope, you can just step over it. And of course, that's because they've been allowed to do this because white work, white uh, middle strata a political alienation has only been beneficial. It has only flown to the benefit of the Republican Party. And it has flown to the benefit of the corporate Democratic Party by always driving the the, uh, the Republicans to the right. Meaning we are forced, because we're locked arm in arm, like in fucking uh, Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis and the Defiant Ones. We're locked to the Republicans for life. So if they go right, we have to go right too. It's good for everybody. But now you have a genuine conflict between this, this uh, assumed, this faith in the political subjectivity uh, that these people have uh, and the cold hard fact that at the end of the day, we're just humoring you people. Nash, international finance capital runs this shit. And we will put up with this stuff, but at the end of the day, if you really get in trouble with maintaining these flows of capital, 
we are going to have to give you the sit-down talk. And I think what we're seeing here is going to be the beginning of the sit-down talk. And I think it's going to see big-time prosecutions for everybody who went in that place. And you're going to see surveillance. Biden is already talking about his first order of business, a domestic terrorism bill. We're going to have a white war on terror or a war on white terror, I guess. And it's going to be the same sort of color-coordinated terror alerts. It's going to be the same collection of FBI in, uh, encouraged and, in fact, uh, conceived uh, terror attacks thwarted. Real ones happening. And the core of this group, these unassimilated true believers in America who have only been able to believe in America for so long because they have been humored and their political, uh, their uh, economic um, destinies have been have been protected from the ravages of the market, the 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 disruption of the global eco economic structure as it fastens its fucking tendrils over every passive of all life. But now the bill has come due. There's nothing in the cupboard left to fucking humor you people. We can't do anything about coronavirus. We can't do anything about offshoring. We can't do anything about anything because both of our both these parties are committed to this. And the thing is, is that the Republicans now are going to have to confront their base in a way they never wanted to do. And they're going to have to come to some sort of cord, uh, some sort of accommodation. And my guess is what it's going to be is that the more well-off, the more successful, the more charismatic, the, the, the ones with more to lose are going to be are going to be brought in by a claim that, look, yeah, they ripped us off, they stole the election, but if you retake take over the Republican Party from inside, you can stop it. And if you're on the outside of it, you can work for this. The same way that the left is sheep-dipped into the Democratic Party. And they will accept it, at least because there's options there. You could run for office. I mean, my God, all these congressmen are up for re-election next year. Every single one of them. Every one of these persons could be fucking replaced by... A local beautiful boater, uh, or even a not so beautiful boater, if they were charismatic enough. And if you can't do that, hey, you can stream. You can uh, become an influencer. You can you can uh, you can make that grind work. The less competent, I guess, the less the mo less stable emotionally and financially, are going to have to find out that the government exists not as their friend, that the government is not their friend. And that uh, the cops are not there to help them. And how they respond to that is, I'm very interested in finding out. But this is all white people getting the reality check that they, that we've spent 40 years, the people in power have spent 40 years allowing to go unchecked because it was, a, it was possible. There were those bubbles. There was a nice real estate bubble and, and, and tech and whatever else. But once you've reached the point where all growth comes from uh, disrupting sectors, meaning reducing income, reducing uh, job um, security in the name of flexibility. That's the only place to find any money under the fucking couches. And, and where uh, the, the ability to even be a small business owner is going to go away and, every, and you're going to have to be proletarianized, which is to lose your freedom. Like we've talked about how American freedom is tied up in ownership. First it was land, but now it is of a business. This is the end of the myth. This is the closing of the frontier. And these white people are going to have to learn their lesson. Now, it will be much softer, of course, than the lesson that was administered to uh, black people in this country. But I think it's, you're going to see it, and it's going to get coded as racial justice. 
It's going to get coded as progressivism. It's going to be what we get instead of any kind of meaningful push towards uh, dealing with climate change or the fucking the 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 fact that uh, that it is basically impossible to have a life that is compatible with what American existence is in the current context. And that's why all the fucking argument about like, oh, are they working class? Are they uh, boat owners? What what the difference does it make? This is the only political current in America that gets people out there, that will get people to do this. And you can say the Black Lives Matter protests, but the Black Lives Matter protests because uh, uh, black liberation has always been the most easy type of uh, domestic uh, disturbance to be repressed by the state, the one that they're willing to expend the least effort doing, because it costs them the least politically. How, what's going to happen if you piss off black people? If you're a Republican, what? they don't vote for you anyway. And if you're a Democrat, what are they going to do? Vote for Republicans? They have the fire. And yes, it's because they live in a fantasy America, but that means they're powered by something that the left, such as it exists, doesn't have, which is belief. And I don't even mean belief in God. I mean, I mean belief in success, belief in victory. And of course, that all stems for them from a delusion. They believe that they could win because they think this is a different country than it is. Because they have just absorbed... America's propaganda from a position of relative privilege in America. And most people, unless they go to college to learn how to have anxiety, are going to respond to that the same way, by accepting it. And only now are we seeing their lived experience colliding with their idea of America. And because, they're Amer because they believe in America, they think, well, this is all fucked up. Even if why they think it's fucked up is wrong, even if it's all bundled up with racism and, and stupid nationalism, and it is, and xenophobia... It's still generated by a very real connection of their unhappiness to the political order, which many people, including many real working class people, do not have. And that's because they don't believe in America, because they never did. And when you see these people willing to do this shit, fucking want, uh, uh, die, Naruto run into the fucking Capitol building... And I, I don't think there's any reason to believe that it's going to stop now. Uh, and then you look at what the left can put together. It's not good. And I think big part of it is nobody who is going to organize on the left because of the repression of the left over the history and because they're trying to create a self-consciously working class movement, they're not able to let's just, just go have faith in Trump. They can't just have faith in Trump as like a symbol because... They're aware that this has to be a class project and it has to have class goals. But because of that, they're also aware of all the obstacles. They're aware that the state is arrayed against them, which these people don't think. Some of them are coming around to it, and when they fully realize it, they're going to get more radicalized. But that's all to the benefit of the system because those are more uh, enemies of the state that we can uh, profitably prosecute or, or threaten people with. And so until the left finds faith 
in itself, even in the face of uh, the transparent absurdity of that, they'll never be able to be anything effective. Because the argument about whether you should be happy or bad, sad that the cops killed that lady, or you should be happy, you should be rooting for Biden to suppress them or not, is all meaningless because we have no power over it. The Democratic Party is going to go is going to govern from a position of austerity and misery. It's going to try to frame it as as uh, racial and gender liberation. They're going to do that. The right is going to attempt to coddle this movement, suborn it, and avoid a, a, a full confrontation with the state, which they don't want to do. Uh, and there's nothing we can do about any of it. Because there's no working class movement to assert a, uh, a position, to assert demands uh, opposed to this dynamic. If anyone has been listening to uh, Age of Napoleon, uh, he just started talking about the Asian Revolution, and he, I, I, I was listening to it recently, and it's very good, as is all of Everett's podcasting is. Uh, and his description of the political moment uh, during, before the Haitian slave revolt, when there was a big crisis caused by the French Revolution back at home, about what to do about the National Assembly and, and, and like uh, how to uh, 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 orient the, the colony towards France. Uh, the main battle was between a coalition of uh, white slave owners and small white laborers and like middle class people, the, the big whites as they were called, and the small whites, who both wanted to... Uh, rebel against the, the king for different reasons. The, 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 the whites, the big whites, because they thought it would give them more control over the island uh, and more authority over its economy, specifically its trade, so that they could trade to other places more profitably. Uh, and then the small whites, because they thought that they could get, if they had more of an, a, a say in like the politics of the island, as opposed to having no influence over politics in France, that they could assert their uh, rights. Uh, but they were in a. They the one thing they agreed on was that they wanted to make the uh, government of Haiti specific, explicitly uh, white supremacist, like to enforce a racial code and to maintain like a white political, uh, uh, a, a white political monopoly on power in the in the colony. And the other group was the mixed race community. The, the children of, uh, of relationships between relationships between uh, uh, white mostly white slave owners and African slave women. Uh, but many of them had been because the French did colonization a little differently than the Americans did, I think maybe because of the Catholicism. Uh, in many cases, uh, white slave owners who had uh, black mistresses would marry them. And, and confer property to the children instead of enslave them. And so you had a class of, uh, of mixed-race slave owners and, and smallholders uh, who, and, and uh, bourgeois shopkeepers and stuff, who wanted to uh, diversify the, uh, the racial character of the political ruling class of the, of the colony. Both of them agreed that slavery was staying where it was. 
and enslaved Haitians were not going anywhere. And the whole battle, which was incredibly pitched and saw saw uh, uh, botched insurgencies on both sides, and and uh, the Republican, uh, the local like admit. Uh, the local representative of the French Revolutionary government trying to having to like play both sides against the other, and it was in the in the context of that that the slaves rose up against both of them. And when I see the Republicans and Democrats, it's very hard not to see it as a battle between you know that big white small white colonial coalition and and the the more progressive, more racially. Uh, 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 the more racially advanced and, and um, expansive mixed-race uh, political movement as ours. The problem is, is that they're, where are the slaves? The slaves are not marked by race. They're not marked by conditions of life. They are marked only by their self-identity as consumers. I did the quotation marks for a reason. Shut the fuck up. God, you fucking people. God, I love being fucking scolded by nitwits because I didn't use the right words when I even... I did. So that's the challenge. And it's the same challenge no matter what. It's the same challenge if everybody there was a, was a fucking uh, pipe fitter uh, or if everybody there owned six Subaru dealerships. Either way, the challenge is the same. Build actual self, uh, like coherent and self-actualizing working class power. And a lot of the people who want to do that through the media and want to do that through memes and want to do that through posting, they see what happened with Trump's people and they want that for me, as that Franklin Graham uh, meme goes. But you can't have that. That is what it is because it is reactionary. Because it is not responding to material conditions and material exploitation. It's responding to a real emotional engagement in a spectacle of politics. There is no left-wing version of that. There can't be a left-wing version of that. Now, you can have left-wing voices like... Uh, brazing ideas and concepts, but the organizing is going to be done boringly and tediously at the fucking level of life, at the level of work or residence, whatever it takes. But it's not going to come through engagement with this spectacle because everything gets dif diffused. And as we said on the show, and as I said on the stream the other day, the reason that this is the reason that these people feel so confident in themselves and the reason they're willing to do this is because they've never been checked. They've always been encouraged. And that's because, not even that capitalism wants them to win in any real sense, like have them defeated, defeat global capitalism in a battle, but that they're useful. That kind of political mobilization can always be uh, metabolized because it's not a real threat. It, ha it has no character of, of organization or coherence or policy behind it. It cannot meaningfully confront capital. It cannot make demands. The only demands these people have is keep Trump president. All right, fine. What if they did that? We got more neoliberalism, more misery, more uh, austerity. They wouldn't care. They'd be happy because the people they hate would be mad. And in fact, they would blame everyone else for still being around, still existing, 
and, and, and preventing Trump from doing what he was supposed to do. I'm not on the edge of doom or anything. In anything, this should be liberatory because if this can't be found here, then the fact that everything looks like it's unwinnable and unsolvable isn't such a big deal. Like it only feels like this saying that this is a this is a a, a space where where pro, uh, product productive action cannot occur. That feels like it's doomerism to people because they cannot conceive of anything else. The good news, though, is that if it doesn't matter, well, then you can find something. There's something out there now, probably. There are fucking prairie fires burning that nobody's aware of because they have not been fucking turned into uh, quantum... They, they've not been turned into memes. They've not been turned into uh, something that could be quantified and, and, and chopped up into some sort of uh, like left cultural credit default swap. I don't think I'm going to build a Gundam. I'm not blackpilled. I'm blackpilled about this fucking model of engagement, but everyone should be. It's not the only thing in the world. If it is, if it is the only thing in the world, that's the true blackpill, because I'm sorry, not a single person who has doubled down on posts as praxis has given me any reason to believe that that would not be sticking your finger up your ass until the world burns. Somebody's asking about the Socialist Rifle Club and stuff. If you're memeing it, how serious can you be about it? I get that you want to get people on board, but when you're talking about, like, arming yourself against the state, how seriously can I take somebody who puts that shit on the internet? Like, that's a very good example. Like, you might very well find that in your life, you're going to have to fucking uh, get a gun and do something. I'm not saying anyone should do that for the love of God. I'm just saying that local conditions might obtain where, like, okay, say, say like, Trump losing causes these people to go berserk. And the cops are basically just let them tire themselves out, but that essentially ends up turning into a number of, like, local pogroms. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but let's say it did. And you felt yourself in a position, like, where you lived, that it was your responsibility to fucking defend like your neighbors and, and, and vulnerable people from them. Anything you have to do at that point is not anything you should be fucking posting about and trying to like memify and turn into uh, turn into epic dabs. If anyone's posting about anything, they're not serious about it. Everybody posting about a coup and how this is a coup and you need to take it seriously, if they're fucking posting about it all day, they don't really think that. 
Like none of us really think any of the stuff that we think are powering our, our, our political beliefs. What we mostly just feel is a lassitude. We feel helpless. That's what we really feel. And then we just turn that helplessness into a bunch of different uh, fantasies that we can, we can engage with. But, like, if you think that this is a threat to democracy, I'm sorry, we don't have one of those. We do not have a democracy. You could argue that uh, during that New Will deal, deal period that, that there was something approaching a, a working-class articulation of power at the highest levels of government. It was, it was coerced, or, I mean, it was suborned, and it was uh, essentially housebroken, and when it was no longer uh, a luxury that the system could afford, it was immediately removed. But it was there. But since then, we don't have a fucking democracy. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, thinking, how much, how much emotional force are we supposed to take from the other day's events, from the, 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 the idea that it was some sort of attack against a sacred institution and sacred uh, places? This is the most profane and disgusting place on earth, the U.S. fucking Capitol building. It's like it's like a giant mini Saint, uh, little Saint James mansion. It's just that fucking uh, the the weird white and blue Greek themed uh, dome that he had there. It's just a giant version of that. And the fact that a incoherent, jabbering old man, because of our fully spectacleized lives, where everything that is uh, worth caring about is worth caring about to an apocalyptic degree, in which more and more that includes politics, was able to get people to care this much to die, to fucking like have to uh, give themselves heart attacks while being tased, uh, and to I gotta say. If you, if you don't think this is funny, then you are as much of a buzzkill as an SJW. If you don't think somebody going to Washington, D.C. with a Gadsden flag that says, don't tread on me, and then getting killed in a stampede is funny, then I'm sorry. You, you are literally just a woke scold, but just with different uh, naughty words and different bad uh, uh, unthoughts that can't be joked about. But yeah, I fucking give a shit about the fucking U.S. Capitol building. The thing that should be we should be embarrassed about is that that's what did it. The thing that everyone should be embarrassed about is that Donald fucking Trump is what got people to do that. And yes, the fact that it's Donald Trump is why they were allowed to do it. But uh, like, there's going to have to be some serious deconditioning of people. People are going to have to be willing to, to change their matrix of acceptable risk. And this is maybe even more important... Uh, change their uh, required degree of, like, rational self-convincing of things. Because one of the things that got those people out there and is going to keep them out there is the fact that they have convinced themselves at a deep level their politics. Even though they're incoherent gibberish, they believe them. Yes, part of it is because they're dumb and their brains have been turned into scrambled eggs by social media and television. But a lot of it is that they aren't neurotic. It's A lot of it is that they did not learn that Politics have to be perfect in order to be actionable. 
that you have to be able to explain everything about everything you believe in order to act on it, which is a paralysis, I think, that infects the left. And I know infects me. Tell me if I'm wrong. Like, I can't act unless I know that every action I'm doing is correct. And the fact that Trump is just spectacle and, 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 uh, and emotion allows, that makes crossing that bridge much easier, getting to the leap of faith. The left, it's harder because so much of it is intellectual, because so little of it is actually connected to uh, like a struggle for survival. But that's going to have to happen. People are going to have to convince themselves at a deeper level and even allow themselves to think, I might not even be right about this. This might not be the right case. There might be somebody online who might call this cringe, who might say that I'm doing liberalism or that I'm doing uh, anarchism or that I'm doing tankyism or that I'm doing whatever the fuck. I might, I might be wrong. I might eat shit at this. I might get laughed at. And that has to be okay. Because otherwise... People give up. People give up. Look what happened in last summer. People thought they had the revolution in their hands for a minute. Some of them did anyway. And it ended up being a, a, a giant chess match, just taking down statues. Because that was the only, because the symbolic realm is the only area where you could see a plausible uh, uh, movement forward. And one of the things that makes it easier to do that, like, if it's a question of, like, Trump should stay in office, that's a great binary. That's wonderful. And the left doesn't have anything like that. I mean, there, I mean, I keep saying the left, there is no left, but there is no left articulation of that that can be summed up in such a binary and time-dependent and, and space-dependent question as, will you be inaugurating a new president? Ah. Uh. But my hope is that the Democratic Party, which is looking like it's on the road towards total, uh, total self-abnegation, like the fact, I mean, I don't honestly care if they fucking try to, uh, to impeach Trump. I think, care, I think making that the thing everyone should care about is dumb. Honestly, like, hey, how about try to ring the dinner bell a little bit, especially that you got Joe fucking Manchin saying no to the $2,000 checks. Maybe like circle the the wagons around an actual helpful thing that people could, you know, think feel good about, as opposed to just advertising your powerlessness because they're not going to vote to impeach him. And you will be reminded again. Oh yes, all of these norms are just agreed upon manners, and real force can decide these contests. And if it does, you don't have any. You don't have any because well over. A, a half the guys whose job it is to come in the room and clear it, half the time, got, half the guys whose job it is to carry a gun into a room and decide who should be there, uh, at least somewhat agree with this. And are of no commitment to the democratic project as you represent it. No matter how many times you talk about how desacralizing and, 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 and shameful everything is. That is a that's a, that is a balance of power where the Democrats essentially exist at the sufferance of the Republicans because their existence keeps everything moving. Keeping the Democrats around allows them allows rule to be carried out because we need that illusion of democratic give and take in order to allow all the ill humors of capitalism to be vented properly. 
But if you make it an existential question, and like these people saying, we're going to throw them all, we're going to throw them all in jail. We're going to throw all the seditious uh, members of House in jail. And we're going to throw Trump in jail. Yeah, right. You know what would happen if that happened. Or at least you know what you're afraid would happen, which is all that matters. All you need is the fear. And the reason they have the fear is that they know that they could not marshal the same forces and coordinate them the same way. Because of the hostility to the, of the police state, to those people, to their disorganization, to the lack of the Democratic Party representing anything beyond just a, a, a rejection of the Republican Party. But what we're going to see from the Democrats is going to be us uh, a, 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 an attempt to do essentially like Bushism. Like these guys are trying to talk about this as 9-11, as bad as 9-11. They want it to be their 9-11. That's the point of this. This is going to be the Democrats' 9-11, that they get to wave the bloody shirt at the Republicans, which honestly could help them. Because looking at the polls, this is not a popular thing that happened. And even though there's all these like um, well-manicured, gerrymandering structures that allow the Republicans to hold power, I do not think that the uh, wealthy, whiter, w wealthy, older white people who voted in the Democrats are liking any of this. And a lot of them who voted in split tickets for Democrat for Republicans might start punishing Republicans. Now, just in the same way, all these, but the thing is, all these fucking guys in the House who live in gerrymandered Republican districts, they can't go against Trump because they will be gone by the end of business day. And so they're going to get to wave the bloody shirt and use it as an excuse for uh, a democratic application of police state uh, technology and surveillance and incarceration. Because neoliberalism has finally come for the whites. The, the, I mean, it came for the poor whites a long time ago, but it finally came for the voters. It came for the people who have had a little chunk of that post-war magic, and now it's shrinking away. And it's... This is not negotiable shit, and their uh, political movement is too inarticulate to, to challenge capitalism realistically. It will be suborned, it will be uh, reduced, it will be recuperated, and that which cannot be will be repressed. That's the fucking playbook. And the Republicans, oh boy. I mean, they're, at this point, it's clear, they will never, they will never accept the results of a close election that go against them again. And that means every election will essentially be a tip ball. And that helps the Democrats too, though, because if it's close enough and they lose it, it's just Bush versus Gore again. Everything's kept going. Everybody kept getting paid. It didn't break anything. The system maintained itself. If you just like slowly, and then the Democrats are a regional party, maybe like run New York and California. I mean, somebody asked why it's bad to call it terrorism. I think I'm articulating it right now. Like, we already tried this with one form of terrorism, which was a response to American bipartisan policy, which the proper response to would have been to minimize the threat and not treat it like the end of the world. But instead, we maximize the threat, 
treated it like the end of the world, specifically treated it as an excuse to shit all over civil liberties domestically and carry on a war overseas. Now, the war is coming home in every sense. The war is coming home, and that means that we're going to have to intensify our state apparatus of techno technological control, which we're having instead of fascism. And that will now start have to fall, having to fall on the whites. Because everybody's going into the wood chipper. And some of you will get lucky and get shit out into the capitalist side. But the, uh, the mass majority of you are going to come out, your kids are going to come out, peasants. And that's, you do not have the wherewithal, the ability to challenge that. They will shit all over you. We're getting shit out. I mean, China, yeah, that's the model. But at least there's some sort of efficiency there, my God. Because they don't have to pretend that they're a fucking democracy. Because they don't have to offer their stupid, uh, like, special dispensations for their, uh, their, their colicky white middle class. Everybody is equally uh, with the program. And here's the important part, too. People say, yes, okay, but shouldn't we treat this seriously? When has the U.S. government shown itself able to uh, defeat terrorism with its, uh, with its control of, of, of beyond throwing people in jail, beyond creating greater degrees of alienation from the people you're supposed to be de-radicalizing? When has it ever helped? So saying, no, this time we're going to do it right because it's going to be against the right people. Even if it did, obviously it won't. It will be used liberally against uh, all kinds of left-wing uh, movements. No question. Indigenous, we all know that. But even if it was laser-focused on these, these white reactionaries, it would, still would be bad. Denazification worked. They just turned West Germany over to the Nazis. That's how they denazified German. That's that's how they denazified West Germany. They just let them stay in charge, and gave everybody some a fucking uh, chocolate uh, subsidy. But if you're going to talk about like we need to confront these people, we need like a real confrontation with uh, with like the forces of fascism in this country. I ask simply, okay, who and who? And if you're if you think that's necessary and we're and, and you consider how far we are from it, if you think posting there is effective, then you are really just jerking yourself off. They banned uh they banned Lynn Wood from from parlor, damn. That's how you know shit's serious. I don't know about what third party will emerge, but I do know that the Democrats are... They will be the death of us. Because they are in a position where they are the only force standing against just full reactionary ganglion rule. But they represent no popular... Uh, mobilizable uh, civic uh, 
uh, order or, or organ or anything. They represent no one. They're just fully a brand. Trump has transcended brandhood. Trump is now essentially, in his ability to get people to fucking act on his behalf, religious. And the Democrats have nothing. They have transactions. They have virtue signaling. That's it. That means that they cannot, and that, that's why they cannot really force the confrontation here, even though everyone's like, wow, they really need to get Trump out of there before he just calls for another, you know, invasion of Washington. Uh, they know that they don't have the fucking horses for it. They don't have the horses for it. So something's going to have to fill that gap, but I don't know what it is. The Movement for People's Party, all the stuff I've seen from that makes it look incredibly online to me, which, as you know, I am highly allergic to, so we'll see. But it's certainly, whatever it is, it's going to have to emerge from actual experiences of struggle, of experiences of conflict on behalf of, of the people themselves, as workers, as residents, as, as people who live in a place and want some fucking dignity. That's what's going to do it. All right. Uh, see you chickens later.